guys, welcome back to the Working Fans Podcast. It's a podcast by fans for the fans of wrestling. We're doing this every week. I'm AJ Strange. I'm the professional. I wrestled professionally for a few years. And then I also am a stand-up comic. We've got Dave, who's the biggest fan I know. And then our producer, Joe. They're bringing the thunder. And Joe's, quite frankly, the one who makes us sound better than we actually are. You can find us right now on Twitter. We're at fansworking. Our email is workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. Facebook, we are the Working Fans Wrestling Pod. Spotify now, we dropped our first two episodes already on you. You can find us under Working Fans Pod. Instagram, you're going to find Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. Logo is brought to you by Jeremy Tate at J-A-I-M-S-V-A-N-D-E-R-B-E-E-K. That's at James Vanderbeek. And our intro song is by CB at Rise To It Records. Podcast created on the Anchor app at anchor.fm, Working Fan Pod. We're going to start off with our top stories in the news, and that's going to be brought to you with our producer, Joe. Hit us. All right, guys, Thursday, we happen to debut. Finally, we have an episode up mm. on Spotify. We're up in the ether. Arn also debuted an episode. AJ, I know you listen to it. I listen to it. Dave hasn't listened nope. to it yet. But let's give him kind of a preview without being a spoiler, because I thought it was a hot episode out of the gate. I thought the Iron Anderson episode was fantastic. It gave us a real idea as to who Iron Anderson is as a person. We found out, I think, a little bit more about Marty Lund, the person who has been wrestling as Iron Anderson. He's notorious through the years of not breaking kayfabe. He wrote a whole book while with the WWE where he basically kept kayfabe throughout the whole book. And to get this side brought to us by Conrad Thompson, who has been a master at bringing us all these different podcasts, he's really bringing out the real iron. And he told us a story this week about, as a young child, loving wrestling so much that at eight years old, he had a friend come over. He snuck up on his friend wearing a mm. ski mask, like a masked wrestler, and choked the other kid out with a shoestring. Was he wearing the ski mask? I know he said he was in his tidy whities Yeah. And he had a shoestring in the back yeah, he said he that was... he was hiding behind the door He's... when he got his friend down there under false pretenses. Okay, so, yeah. so, so much for spoilers. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I'll remember so, that. Oh, that was a good story off the bat. Yeah. It, it's really filled with a lot of stories because this first one kind of covered his territory days right up until he joined Crockett Promotions. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much. He also wrestled under a mask as Mr. Olympia. I okay. hate to ruin that for you. But so this I, wasn't very kayfabe then. This was Iron Bean himself then. Yeah, I think he's getting used to it because huh. Shivani was the same way. You learn one way in the business and then when you do a podcast and you have to be entertaining, you got to break that down to some degree. But AJ, you got to tell us, being a former wrestler, there's got to be a line for you. Some things you won't discuss or some things you won't break. Yeah, I still, to this point, won't tell people how I did the wrestling. Somebody comes over to me and they try to find out how to do moves. I'm gonna do a wrist lock on them, but it's probably gonna be a wrist lock that hurts them a lot more than they could imagine. And to me, there are certain things that you still have to do to protect it. Now granted, I wrestled starting in 1994 and I wrestled through to the early 2000s, but when I was learning how, you protect the business. And I learned before I did, so I would imagine he's still as protective about this business as ever. Kind of knowing 
a little bit what he's going through. Like, do you find it hard to talk about the business sometimes? It is to a point. I mean, I'll tell some of the stories. I'm not going to tell too much locker room stuff that's going to get people into trouble or stuff of that nature. No divorce. Just one thing so far, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm not going to go over who I saw doing coke uh, on who or what I saw. To me, that's not actually But you can DM fair. me. I'll be happy to tell you. <laughs> but it's one of those things that it's not fair for me to put the person who was there entrusting me into that position. So it, you think Arn's going to have almost kind of the same outlook on it a little bit? I do. It's it's kind of like Bruce Pritchard a little bit. It's not going to bury Yeah, anybody. Pritchard is... Pritchard only actually money. gives so much. He won't discuss money. And let's <clears throat> face it, especially now that he's back in the WWE, he has a tendency of being clammed up a little bit when it comes to certain wrestlers and yeah. discussing... If I feel he, Eric's clammed up a little bit too now. Yeah, and what it comes down to is, is the wrestlers that they like more, they're more likely not to shoot on. Whereas Jim Ross will basically just shoot on anyone. Yeah, yeah even when he worked for the company, he would shit on him once in a while. Now, talking about coming back to WWE, Dave, you told me this week that there was news that Punk auditioned for the Fox Studio show for them. And this also kind of ties in because... This week, they also mentioned that Impact is moving to Tuesday. Mm. Like we said last week, there's a lot of moves coming ahead of AEW being on TV. We're at a point now where we're going to have wrestling every night of the regular week, Monday through Friday. Right. And if you include pay-per-views, that's going to be Sunday. When are AEW's pay-per-views? Are they Saturday? Saturday, yeah. So if you have an AEW pay-per-view and a WWE pay-per-view, or... AEW and an Impact pay-per-view, you're going to have wrestling every night of the week. Mm-hmm. So with Punk auditioning for this show and the Impact move, what are you guys' thoughts on both of these items? Well, for starters, I do want to give a shout-out to Beyond Wrestling. It's a show that's going to be on Thursday, by the way. Uncharted like Territory. Uncharted, yep, yep. On Independent Wrestling TV. And I have a couple thoughts. That One, my first fear is oversaturation in the market, as always. But hopefully it'll be good products. One thing we're not really talking about with this stuff that I find interesting is Punk is going to be working for Fox, potentially. That's very interesting because that means he wouldn't have a WWE contract. Now, I'm sure there's got to be a conflict of interest somewhere in there. But I'm saying, like, basically, if he wanted to work for another promotion, like a Ring of Honor, an Impact, or AEW, assuming there's not a conflict of interest or something in that contract, I don't... That, that would be very interesting. Could you imagine Punk hosting a show for WWE, but being on another wrestling program. This could be the tip of the iceberg. Maybe this is how he gets his toes wet getting back into wrestling. Right. You move from the studio show to wrestling. Or why not just stay in the studio? You don't have to work for WWE, but you can talk wrestling. Right. Be part of Fox. Seems win-win for Punk. I heard that uh, WWE wasn't too excited about this move. Can't imagine they would be. Yeah, because the focus is now going to be on Punk for their product, rather than... You know, people are, like, looking at this show for the news. Hasn't it arguably been for a few years, given the CM Punk chants in the audience? It's going to just make it worse, I'd imagine. Oh, it's going to amplify it big time. The We Want Punk chants are going to be huge wherever they go, especially knowing that he's doing the show on Fox Sports 1. I think that it doesn't hurt Punk too much to do this, because I don't think Punk has any interest in wrestling anywhere else. I think that once you've had that WrestleMania moment like he has, he wrestled The Undertaker, that's a pretty good WrestleMania moment. Yeah. Punk is one of those people who I believe, once he gets his mind set to something, is not going to change it. And I think he's going to be happy doing this. 
because he gets to analyze the WWE product without being under the WWE umbrella. So you don't see him uh, rushing to get back into any wrestling promotion? I don't think he is. I don't think he cares if he ever wrestles again. I can see that. Now, on the flip side of that, what about the Impact move to Tuesday? Impact move to Tuesday is genius, in my opinion. They're moving to a night where their only actual thing that they're going to be up against is Total Divas. And to me, that's not much competition. I, I don't think hardcore wrestling fans that are tuning into Impact are sitting there going, my God, I hope I get this done in time to watch Total Divas. Staying on the Impact subject, Kevin Sullivan, a producer at Impact, left Impact for AEW. Increasing AEW's already <coughs> stacked production staff. I can't tell you exactly who they have, but I know they have guys that have worked at WCW. Kevin Sullivan, he's been producing a lot for Impact. It's only good for AEW. It's only going to make their product look better. I worry about what this does for Impact in terms of now their production, and they're going to have to scramble to find somebody to like replace that. I, I got to tell you, I, I'm a little actually worried about AEW. They're getting to a point now where you have so many producers and so many people cooking when does it get to a point where you have too many ideas going in too many directions? And I know that it's easy to sit and play devil's advocate, but AEW, the way that they've been able to maintain so far going forward is simplifying it and making it a sport and making it real and just going forward with a wins-loss count. We're going to focus on the wrestling. Well, if you have too many people there to produce, how many people are going to start to worry about storylines that don't matter and who's going to be pushing what agenda? Very true. Now, we're talking about worrying about the state of AEW and Impact, but how about ROH? They Have they pulled out of the tailspin? Last night, Roosh won the ROH world title from Matt Taven, and people have been critical about Taven's reign. I didn't think it was that bad. He, would, he was due the championship. He's been solid for Ring of Honor, yeah. but he's also been their champion during a downtime. I mean, Lifeblood, they've got Bandito, Tracy Williams in the same faction with Mark Haskins, and they're just not... To me, it doesn't seem like they're being as competitive as they should slash could be with that lineup. Could Roosh being the champion elevate them? And both him and his brother, it's kind of up in the air right now whether they got fired from CMLL. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys know about that story? I only okay. just read the headline. I just heard that they fired and quit within the same hour, basically. That they were going to quit anyway. You're fired! Why quit? That was on Wrestling Observer Radio. You asked, like, are they turning it around? Well, it's really too early to tell that. But one thing Roos' champion does is create buzz. And Matt Taven, although a good hand, a solid wrestler, a great wrestler, we could even say, I don't feel like Taven created a lot of buzz. One thing I've wondered with uh, Ring of Honor's decision-making lately, like, are they doing enough things to gain themselves attention? Joe, maybe you can correct me on this. I was at a car ride last night with some wrestling fans going to watch some wrestling, and I heard that Brody King versus Jeff Cobb wrestled last night, but it wasn't even on the show. It was the one No, that match. was on the pre-show, yeah. It was a pre-show match, right. Okay. Well, and what do you really do with Villain Enterprises? You got PCO and Brody King, who are in with the company for, I believe, a little while at least. Marty Skrull, the leader, the guy that's kind of keeping them together. He's out he's here. He's on the verge of leaving. So I don't think it's that bad an idea to put Brody King on the pre-show. Obviously, he deserves to be on the main show. Right. 
But if you're in a questionable faction, do you really want to highlight your weaknesses right now? Maybe. You had Roosh win the title. Yeah. That is going to take a lot of the attention away, maybe, from what you're doing wrong. Hmm. They've also hired Joe Hendry from the UK. They hired Session Moth Martina. They're doing, they're adding the people that I think that they need to build the roster, but can they do it? Are they putting enough muscle behind it? Right. All right, I'm going to go heel here. Ring of Honor screwed up completely with Matt Taven. Matt Taven is an outstanding worker, a great wrestler, and he's getting the respect that the WWE right now gives basically to Mike Canales. Hmm. He's not getting the respect for the work that he does, and he's not getting the respect in the storylines to put him in to make him into the superstar they could have. I have no problem with them putting the belt on Roosh. Roosh is a great wrestler, even though I'm pretty sure his name should be enunciated Rush. <laughs> and to bring in Dragon Lee is a great thing. But you can bring in all the pieces in the world. Maybe you guys remember a little brand they used to have out of Georgia. I think they called it WCW. Mm. You can spend a ton of money bring everybody in in the world. And if you don't know how to use them, then where's it going to get you? Case in point, Impact, when it was TNA wrestling, and they had one of the biggest, best rosters of all time. And... It just went considerably downhill after a while. Yeah, to to not know what to do with great wrestlers that they have on there. I do like, i got to tell you, I did pop for something last night. You know me, I don't usually go for the gimmicks. I'm usually more of a pure wrestling fan. But what they did with PCO last night, mm. where um, he got shocked with the cradle prod, and it actually brought him back to life like Frankenstein, instead of actually hurting him. Absolutely great spot in the night to go with this character. You know what? A little sidebar to that. How you're talking about like PCO. Like you like that little like uh, thing we praise back. I saw that spot at uh, Beyond Wrestling one time. I love it. I'm kind of a purist too. But I will say one thing as I get older. I realize now if a character is done really well, I start to appreciate it a little more. Like I like Undertaker. But I didn't appreciate Undertaker as much as everybody else did back in the day. I know you're the same. But like Bray Wyatt, The Fiend. Like, I loved the way he pulls off that character now. So I've kind of become a bigger fan and kind of turned around the older I get. And to bring it back around real quick before we move on to the next subject, the reason why I mentioned that was because what they did with PCO's character in that, which is a little bit over the top of a character, is what built him up and has made him a sensation. Whereas, once again, I'm going to stick up for Matt Taven and say that they didn't put the same effort and thought into the character of their world champion as they did into this member of Villain Enterprise. Now, speaking of Rush, AEW stepped into the limelight, and they supplied fill-ins for a show in the UK that WWE pulled talent from. Dave, what can you tell us about this? Because you told me about the story. This is your under the radar. Yeah. I'm not surprising you guys. You're surprising me. I read this on uh, PW Insider. Basically, I don't know why they were pulled, but I know AEW sent out... I want to say it was MJF, Cody, Brandy, and maybe a few other talents. And at the end of the day, I just think it's a really good look for them to like help everybody out like this. You know, like this is WWE kind of like saying, "Hey, we need these guys." Sorry, and all of a sudden AEW like with a great PR move in that area, especially you know maybe they want to make some moves in the UK with TV and everything. Hey, we're helping out. I think it's a great move, uh, and this is what makes independent wrestling. As big as it is, and I know AEW is no longer going to be an independent wrestling organization. That technically they're going to be one of the big dogs with the financial backing that they have. But let's face it, if you go just by financial backing, Ring of Honor by all means should not be independent wrestling group either. I mean, well, there is a difference. Got as much money. Well, the difference is Sinclair is yeah. not investing the money 
into Ring of Honor in the same way that Tony Khan's investing the money. Right, and they're getting they're selling out 15,000 seats sometimes too. But whose fault is that? Is that Ring of Honor's fault or is it AEW's fault? No, no, no. I hear what you're saying. And then AEW, right? They're not even close to independent. But my point at the end of the day is AEW stepping in and helping out like they are still an independent, yeah. and stepping up to the plate and saying, "Hey, we've got wrestlers over there. Let's help out this small wrestling group." in Britain and see what we can do to uh, make sure that they don't go under is a great thing to do, whereas the WWE is basically flipping them the bird. It actually might have been one of their final uh, shows, I think I read. So maybe they are going under. Anyway, I don't know. But either way, regardless, they're helping out this group. Well, first and that's of all, though, that, what's you know, the reason they're going under in the first place? Well, because WWE probably bought up all the UK stole talent. Stole every UK talent. Yeah. That they basically did what they did in America mm-hmm. with the territories and stole all the UK talent. That's been the worry about WWE NXT. It's a major brand, but in the U.S., it's pulled a lot of the indie talent. Not really dried up the market because there's a big enough market, but the indie scene in England has such a tough. It's had such a tough time over the years. It's been documented how there's been peaks and valleys, and up until now, there's been a nice talent sharing between Progress WWE. Now, with more people on the playing field, I feel like the talent sharing and a lot of that stuff is going to come to an end. Oh, sure. And speaking of coming to an end, it was just recently announced that Edge is retiring from his podcast. Which, if you've ever heard the Edge and Christian podcast, it's unique unto itself. And how is Edge leaving going to change it, do you think? Well, let's give a little inside baseball here to our fans that are going to be listening to here. I'm going to give all the credit in the world. Joe, our producer, is prepared as humanly possible and takes notes and studies everything Hmm. under the sun to make sure that you guys have a great podcast. Dave is somewhere in between there with his studying and paying attention to things. That's generous. (laughs) But then you have myself who literally likes to ad-lib. And basically, I follow, don't get me wrong, I follow wrestling all week long. I love wrestling. I watch every show. But when it comes to writing things down, I'm about as useless as tits on a bull. Mm. No offense to any bulls out there that are offended by my tit talk. Yeah. <laughs> the things that I like. No offense to tits. Uh, yes. The thing I like most about the Edging Christian show was the fact that they were two friends who have been in the business for a long time, loved the business from childhood, talking about read the wrestling business, giving a little inside look into it, and then talking to other fans <coughs> that are coming on and talking about the wrestling business. And to me, that's basically what we're doing. A little bit different, obviously, because I'm the only one who wrestled. But at the end of the day, there are two people that love what we love. And podcasts really are sold by personalities. You're not just going to listen to whoever's saying whatever. you got to come out with an identity. you And Edge and Christian lived within their personality so beautifully. You can see them watching Kids in the Hall or some other offbeat comedy, Monty Python, and it wouldn't be strange to you. You'd be like, all right, yeah, no, I know where they got that now. I, I'm a little sad, but I'm a little happy because don't worry, fans, we'll fill that gap for you. That's right. Speaking of filling that gap, the PWI 500, I just got it off the newsstands. It's probably been out for a while. It says December 2019, but you know how magazines go. How did you guys think about it? We only briefly looked it over. We looked at the top 10, 
And AJ, you had some interesting takes on that. What did you think about that top 10? All right, let's, um, first of all, me and Dave have been debating the PWI 500 for the last 20 years. Mm. And this year is going to be no different. I have a take on the PWI 500 that's not going to make me overly popular with some people. It's a Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500. And I know that they do a separate one for women. It's time to get past that. We've got some tremendous wrestlers out there. And the fact that we're segregating it and still making it into a men's club for the top 500 is ridiculous. Becky Lynch had as big of a year in wrestling as any man on the planet. And I'm not going to beat you over the head with this, but I do believe that this needs to stop and they need to include women in this PWI 500. Okay, so I guess the argument is there's just not enough women around right now. I hear what you're saying. So, like, the best make it, you know, that's it at the end of the day. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Maybe that'd be great for some input from other people out there because I'd like to know. I'm kind of on the fence on this. But I will say, if you do want to talk about, as a performer, who had the best damn year last year, ain't a question in my mind, that was Becky Lynch. She changed the game. You also got to consider their time period runs from July of last year to June of this year. Mm -hmm. Would her run during that time, you think, be good? Or did she catch on at a certain point? Yes. They have certain (laughs) qualifiers. Yeah. And would it do the women a disservice to be on this list with the no. qualifiers? The question, to answer the question real quick, though, as a whole, you might have a point. As Becky Lynch, no. Becky got a little fired up right around August and then tore that up all, all the way right. to Mania. So Becky would be on that. Not only that, but what about Ronda Rousey? That's another good argument right there. Uh, There's so, no reason why she couldn't be. She was a dominant woman who created a lot of tension. Yeah. Who had a more successful year? Nobody beat her till WrestleMania, so that means she was undefeated from the time she won the title mm-hmm. all the way till WrestleMania. Yeah. That, that's a pretty good run there. Now, we will go into the actual top ten that we have, and we will debate that. I, I, I'm just, my opinion is, is because there aren't as many women, instead of coming up with a separate list, include them for what they're worth inside the 500. That's my, our top ten that we're going to be disputing. Number one came in Rollins, WWE Darling. Yeah. Obviously, we all love him all the way back to his Tyler mm-hmm. Black days. None of us are debating how... I'm not overly fond of his character these days, honestly. I kind of think he should be more heel. Well, he's too goody-goody. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I just think he's just... I don't know. I'm just not a fan of Rollins' current persona. Well, and here's where I think we'll actually agree, yeah. is I think he's too wishy-washy. He doesn't go face or heel. He's somewhat whiny in between. That being said, for this time period, work rate active and just overall you know in terms of being put over success he probably would be my number one at this time given the time period because obviously brock's not on in there because of inactivity what about osprey or gargano gargano's an interesting one well you know the same token what about tomasa champa i don't know how much he worked but he had a hell of a run around that point too in nxt tanahashi winning winning at um the new japan um big show well here's a question for you guys how does AEW jumping on the scene affect next year's PWI 500? Because if you look through this whole list, I don't know if you guys have been through all 500, Jericho doesn't show up in it. Yeah, activity. Winning the title, where is he on this list next year? If Let's say he well, loses it two pay-per-views from now. Let's be generous. Where does that put him on the list? That's yeah. got to be at least top 10. What about Brock? Top 20. Where's Brock on this list? 
don't know how to do Yeah, it. See, lack of activity. Brock held the title for most of the last year. And though. I think that that's what's hurting Jericho also. you got to <laughs> have activity. That's, yeah. uh, and Jericho was on the list last year. At the end of the day, I would say I agree with most of this list. What about you? What do you... I disagree completely. Yeah? AJ Styles, great year. I would put him above Daniel Bryan. To me, Daniel Bryan, I know he was a champ. Hmm. But even when he was the champ, I thought it was more of a ceremonial welcome back, Daniel Bryan. Absolutely not. I will disagree with that. Bryan turned this around and like was basically an awesome heel. He came out, he had Thunder as a babyface, and they weren't really doing it. So what's this guy do? He recreates himself as his vegan heel. And like he turns on AJ in a match, wins the belt, and he catches fire. Now, I know your memory ain't what it used to be. Probably got dropped on your head too much in the ring. That's all cool and all, but Brian tore it up. All right, let me be clear. I'm not knocking Daniel Bryan, and I'm not saying that he didn't perform. I'm not saying you I'm are. Saying I'm saying you're wrong. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm saying the WWE did their best over the last six months to bury him. I think you're thinking, I think the time period is a little confusing. If you look at, at this goes to July. July to June. Right. Oh, yeah, whatever the case is. Right. Yeah, so basically... Yeah. I'm saying after WrestleMania, yeah. you could argue that like now, Bryant hasn't been in the best prominent Even putting position. him in a tag team was ridiculous. <laughs> the guy was killing it as a single, killing it as a heel, and they buried him. They wanted to try to give Kofi the rub at that point, and I think Kofi had so much momentum. I think it was great. Has Kofi continually produced... On that run, that's a little harder to say. I love me some Kofi Kingston. Is it him producing, or is it how they're booking him to perform? Because him as the performer is lights out every time. Him as the performer is great. I don't know if it's him as the guy carrying the belt. I don't want to say that, but maybe it's the case. I don't know. Oh, I think Kofi's been absolutely horrible carrying the belt. Okay, same And I think Kofi is a good wrestler. He's very you don't find it believable. He's not believable at all. I, the matches that they put him over in, quite frankly, the other person most of the time, in my opinion, should have won. And it's nothing against Kofi. He's a serviceable mechanic, and he's been um, a mid-card guy for most of his career, and now they've tried to shove him down our throat as a superstar. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's interesting because, like again, it was the biggest groundswell that got him that championship opportunity. People just reacted. I know. I hear what you're saying, but I do want to throw this out there, too. As much as I'm saying I'm not sure if Kofi's delivered and had been booked correctly, at the same time, I've actually also kind of enjoyed the fact that Kofi's had this established long reign. Now, when someone goes to beat him, per se, or take the belt, it wasn't just a quick, oh, he had the belt for less than a month. Hey, we gave it to Kofi. That's cool. Now I feel like I'll give the WWE credit for that. Like, he's had it for several months. He's been defending it. and By the logic winning. of Kofi, why do we not have The Miz as a world champion? I'm not the, sure I fall. The Miz is as over as anybody in wrestling most of the time. The fans go nuts for him when he comes out. Miz they chase along with him. He was not getting the reaction at that time. There was not anybody louder for Kofi at that time, except for maybe Becky. And you could argue at Mania. I had friends that went to that Mania crowd that Kofi and Brian stole the show and was the match of the night. I mean, does Miz even need the championship at this point? He's such an over character, and he delivers on such a consistent basis. You can put him out there for advertisement. You can put him out there for the movies he does, the TV shows. Here's my problem. When you take the belt off Kofi, where's Kofi going? Uh, back to an established great team in the new day, and maybe down the road, possibly in a single front again. Maybe that's street profits. Or, or, or do you think that the WWE will bury him and put him back to mid card? That's hard to say. It, it, yeah, I think all depends. They'll on definitely what, fall to mid card. It, it depends too. Like when they break, are they going to break up the new day anytime soon? 
Because if you break up the New Day and you never give to like Big E the run, then yeah, that's going to be tough for Kofi. And that's one thing we didn't even talk about is with the draft coming up, I believe last week we talked about the possibility uh, yes. of announced teams getting broken up. Right. They are being broken yeah, up. Yeah, so. and they're bringing people back. One more thing about this uh, so, PWI 500 too, because yes. you had mentioned AEW, where are we going to be? What about NXT being on the USA Network? And what about if they start getting more ratings than Raw or SmackDown? I know that's not necessarily the case right now, but what if that happens? Do they become more prominent? Are we looking at Johnny Wrestling on the top of the People are going to go up just based on the amount that they're on TV. They're doubling their TV time. Right. So that's twice as big as last year. Guys are going to rise just by the fact of that TV time. One, one more thing, guys. I'm happy about Kofi actually being on the list. Yeah. I don't want to come across that I hate Kofi. Mm-hmm. I actually think that working the way he has, he deserves to be on this list. The only person on this list who I don't believe belongs in the top 10 is Roman Reigns. I can see that because of activity. I know what you're worried about with Kofi because traditionally in the WWE, if the champions aren't white, it doesn't work out as well. a problem. But talking about a hot topic, we're getting to our signature segment, I'll call it, the 531. You're goddamn right. This week, it's the top five people who haven't made it in the Hall of Fame yet, and the only requirement being that they haven't wrestled in the last year. I'm going to start with my list, and if that last statement wasn't hot enough for you, top of my list is Chris Benoit. (laughs) Second on my list, I put the Midnight Express. I put the two of them because Bobby Eaton you could put on his own. You can't do that to Stan Lane. Can't do that to Randy Rhodes. Or the other guy whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Number three, I had to give it to Kevin Sullivan, the wrestler. Dennis Condroy, by the way. Go ahead. Dennis, oh, <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry, Dennis. You just got over cancer, too. <laughs> Number four, I got Christian. And fifth on that list, I put Lance Storm. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah. Dave, what is your top five list? Well, number one for me was The Rock. Because I think he's pretty much retired now. And I don't think you're going to argue that that is the most influential performer not in the Hall of Fame. You can argue, but I don't see it in terms of influence point. Uh, number two, Joe, I'm going to match your controversy. I got Chris Benoit on my list too. Because it's not the best person Hall of Fame. It's the best wrestlers who haven't made in the Hall of Fame. This guy's probably not going in. But he's one of the best damn wrestlers I've ever seen. And I have a feeling we're probably going to be unanimous on this fucking thing down the road. That being said, number three. Magnum TA. I was surprised he wasn't in the Hall of Fame. This guy's had legendary feuds with Tully Blanchard, Nikita Koloff's best of seven series. His career was cut short, but definitely deserving of this Hall of Fame. Number four, Owen Hart, technical wrestler, can do it all in the ring. His matches with Bret Hart. Owen had an outstanding career. I think he's definitely worthy of being in the WWE's Hall of Fame, as is my number five, Flying Brian Pillman, a guy who I believe... Had not passed already, could have gone on possibly to be the next Rowdy Piper. That good of a heel on the mic. All right, well, I might as well start off with Chris Benoit. Goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, it's not the best person, Hall It's of the fans. best worker. Yeah. If it's the best person, uh, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. Mm. It, it's, mm. defini- it's definitely the best worker, and Chris Benoit's work rate is what got him over. It wasn't his thrilling promos where he would go into huge detail about his matches and describing what he was going to do to his opponents, it was his work rate. And there is no better pure worker and more believable worker that I've ever seen in my career other than maybe Brock Lesnar. Kurt Angle, too. Uh, okay. Maybe Kurt Angle, okay. but I saw the matches between Benoit and Kurt Angle. I still remember those My matches. God. Yeah. Owen Hart. 
you know what? Uh, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Our list is looking a little somewhere here. <laughs> yeah, he needs to do it for the fans, quite frankly. The fans who not only cheered for Owen Hart, but when Owen Hart was on the road, he would actually stay with fans mm-hmm. and board with them while he was traveling. And his fan base loves him probably as much as anybody. Um, we both have Magnum TA. Magnum TA, to me as a child, one of the most heartbreaking things that I saw in my lifetime was that car accident. And I know Joe's a couple years younger than we are, so I don't think it had quite the impact on his childhood that it had on us. Joe's shaking his head callously, no. <laughs> but, but I, mean, I remember him not being able to stand up, but that's but, as far yeah. as yeah, I had it. Well, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Mm. Me and... Dave, I can tell you, both of us can remember in our childhood believing Magnum TA was going to take the belt from Flair. I mean, I was probably a little more sad when Andre ripped the cross off of Hogan, but I get it. Yeah, <laughs> that was, that's a little screwy. Um, Rick Martel. That's a good one. I didn't know he wasn't in the uh, Hall of Fame. He is not. That's uh, they put Tito in by himself. They did not put in Strike Force. So I think Strike Force wasn't in yeah. the Hall of Fame. <laughs> but uh, Rick Martel is a former AWA champion. Very good worker throughout his whole career. Probably has made as many wrestlers look good. I think the match that all of us remember him for is the blindfold match with Jake the Snake Roberts. <laughs> but he's one of those iconic wrestlers. And to me, he's the best wrestler ever from Canada. I mean, here's a guy that was the AWA heavyweight champion in the early 80s. Went on to have a great career in the WWF. And then went on, a lot of people don't remember this, during the Monday Night Wars. Went to WCW and had the TV title for a little bit, too. Exactly. Very good wrestler. I can't believe you no-sold my best um, wrestler ever from Canada. Yeah, I would kiss my ass on that. Now, AJ, you said you wrestled with Rick Martel. What can can you tell us a little bit about him? I got to work matches with him. And first of all... One of the nicest people on the planet, bar none. He helped me so much in that ring. He obviously, being the veteran, having wrestled as long as he did, called everything in the ring that we did. And he made those spots so easy for me. And I can tell you, at the end of that match, I shook his hand. I thanked him. And I have never meant it more than working with Rick Martell. And it's probably the reason why I put him... So high up on my Hall of Fame. I remember you telling me a story, too, that uh, I didn't quite get when I was younger, but what a class guy Rick Martel was, calling his wife all the time, about oh, the yeah. checking in on the family. I also wasn't aware that a lot of the wrestlers in that era might not have been the nicest guys to their wives yeah, and stuff. I too. was very impressed with Rick Martel. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how impressed I was with him. I can't put it into words. And then I have one more. I, I got to tell you, I'm gonna, I had my list. I started my list, and at first I had put... Ole Anderson. Mm. I crossed off Ole Anderson. Then you put Mike Awesome. No. Then I put in Nikita Koloff because yeah. I realized Nikita Koloff not in the Hall of Fame. I crossed out Nikita Koloff, and the reason why is because the man who ended Bruno's role as world heavyweight champion, He's not in the Hall of Fame. Ivan Koloff, is not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, How shit. can the man who beat Bruno San Martino and had the impact on wrestling that Ivan Koloff had not be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Well, uh, so this is where we're going to narrow down to the three. Joe's been keeping track here. I don't really have to keep track to know that Benoit made all three of our lists. <laughs> Benoit is a definite first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think given the problems that Benoit created for wrestling fans when discussing mm. overall, just being talked about anymore, I want to give my personal reason why I included him. Because I know a lot of people 
the horrible tragedy that happened, they don't even want to discuss him in wrestling. Sure. But if when I remember back to my childhood, he was a dynamic performer. He made those WCW programs pop, just his intensity. Yep. When you're looking at trying to sell something as legitimate as possible, Benoit lived and died for that. And if you read the book Ring from Hell by Matthew Randazzo, it outlines both Benoit's coming up in the business and his downfall. And while drugs is a huge part of it, he was an undersized wrestler that got into a business that doesn't value that. He picked the Dynamite Kid as a role model, both in the way that he took to the ring, the dangerous style, a little bit the attitude, and then when you put the drugs and everything on top of that, you got a guy trying so hard to do his best. He is at the top of his game and doesn't believe it for a second. So that is just a cocktail for disaster. Him and his whole family paid the price. And I think, while he probably shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, I don't think we shouldn't talk about him as a performer at all. Like that, right? Th- I, we should still be able to talk about him as a wrestler. We don't have what to live in fear. When they did the tribute the night after, before they had known what happened with Chris Benoit, you got people's genuine feelings about Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. The amount of tears, the amount of people who let you inside and let you know what kind of a locker room leader he was. He was that guy who would give advice on every match. He was that guy that if you asked him, hey, watch my match, give me feedback, he was going to give you real honest feedback that would help you progress. And look at how he was during the Eddie Guerrero tribute. Like, could barely keep it together. And I think part of Eddie dying, believe it or not, was what started to spiral his depression. I know it's easy to point the finger at the steroids and obviously the concussions and having the damage to the brain that they described as an 80-year-old man with Alzheimer's. It's easy to point at those things, and those are obviously the big things that gave to it. And I don't even blame the steroids. I know people want to blame the steroids. It's more the head injuries. It has more to do with the head injuries. Yeah. And then... Maybe also the nature of the business. A guy pushing himself way past physical limits. And he was writing in a diary. They have a diary that they found on the scene where he was still writing notes to Eddie Guerrero up until the point that he died. And the person that he contacted the day that he died was Chavo Guerrero. Right. So you can't tell me that the effects of the sadness... He watched a friend of his from Calgary, Owen Hart, died tragically. He lost his best friend in the world in Eddie Guerrero. He had another friend of his in Brian Pillman pass away. The man was besieged with trauma and then giving us, the fans, what we longed for in the matches that we loved. He did so much damage to himself that he was not the person that people knew beforehand. And that's the common theme with that is a lot of people will tell you that's not the man they remember. Chris Jericho has said that plenty of times. Like, you know, he wrote in his book, you know, about Chris Benoit was my friend, not Chris Benoit the guy at his last few days. I don't know who that was. And you got to look at it like, who would handle it well? It's almost like being a soldier in war. Seeing everybody, all your friends around you dying, Mm. and knowing that that is most likely coming at you, and not excusing what he did, 
But that's where you go off the rails when you have that kind of anxiety and pressure. And I know as a former wrestler, it's going to be easy for people to paint me with the brush and go, well, he's sympathetic to him because he's a wrestler and whatever they want to say. I want you to understand at the end of the day, nobody's okaying what happened. No. None of us are sitting here and going that Nancy um, Benoit or that uh, his son deserved to die the way that they did. No. Nope. First of all, he was also a big woman fan. And as a human being, nobody deserves that. Right. So please... If you're going to tweet us and send messages about, oh, but Benoit's a monster. Yeah, we know. In the final moments of his life, he was a monster. We know what happened. You can save those tweets or you can shove them up your ass, whatever you want to do with them. Now, um, let's get back to the top three list. I just wanted to take a minute to pay what I felt was proper tribute to Benoit the Worker. Uh, Moving on, Owen Hart, right? Owen Hart was on both your lists. Was that I mean, he over? paid the ultimate uh. price on the job. And the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame, I know it's his wife's choice, but I would think he's got to be one of the biggest ones to be in there. Well, yeah, he, and, and he made multiple lists, and he's out of tie for two votes, so yeah. to me, he's got to move on to the final three. All right, so moving on. Um, I do want to make an executive decision. Yes. I think we should leave Benoit off the final three. I think we've discussed him enough, quite frankly. Yeah, we gave him. We I think we gave him the proper highlight. So. Yeah. So okay. So if that's the case, then that Magnum TA is going to actually move on too, right? So we got Owen Hart, Mag- and I was going to say Magnum TA was going to be the last of the three. So who I'm, do we pick for another one now? Because well, I thought Benoit was going to be the definite one to go on and I, win. I, I I I do, and I think that he would win this. And quite frankly, I think that it would be wrong if we were to put him as the person who deserves most to be in the Hall of Fame. True. Sure. And I, right. I just think that's inappropriate as much as we all appreciate what he did. From a work standpoint, right. I'm exactly. going to give a vote to the Midnight Express. Not just because I chose them, but during the 80s and the 90s, if Cornette is such a big name, the Midnight Express deserves to be right up there with him. They came to power together both in the NWA and the territories. Powerhouse package. They still sell to this day. Who are you leaning towards, David? Well, I think if I give a different name to Joe, you're going to have the final vote here. <laughs> one of us, so I was trying to lean towards you picking somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I got my words out first. You did. So, uh, man, I'm sorry. Like This guy, he's not somebody who I think about like in that terms of like that old-timers or anything like that, but... Man, The Rock is just on my list. He's the most influential. I mean, he's going to be there anyway. Is there a reason to disqualify him? Wow. He probably deserves that spot that we were going to give to Benoit. He's transitioned from wrestling to movies. He's a draw on his own name. All right, let's, let's be So clear. let's just say if we just... Let, call... Let's be clear. Uh, the Rock belongs in there no matter what. Right, right. That's, uh, but The Rock is it, going in. Okay. So, okay, so this is the best you are not getting in. Yeah, I'm going to give... Uh, so wait a minute, then, if that's the case... So let me tell you, back up here a little bit before we go to that thing. Because now he's got the Midnight Express. I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I want us to take an opportunity to look. I think I know who you're going to pick anyway. But, you know what? Doesn't matter. Midnight Express. Because <laughs> I was thinking Brian Pillman. But at the end of the day, Midnight Express has had more successful longevity. There's part of me that wants to go with Ivan Koloff just because it's long past Ooh, two. Ivan Koloff is a good one. And I'll, be on, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think Ivan's ever going to go in. Yeah, yeah or, this is the most wishy-washy I've ever or, been on or, the subject. Or he's going to be lumped in with one of those horrible groups. 
Yeah. That the WWE is going to go in with the Russians. I believe the Midnight Express are going to go in. What? Is this list about people that aren't going in? No, 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 no. It is not uh, in yet. You're just trying to find a different I, I'm just trying to find a, a little slightly different twist on it here. And one of the Russians already is in, by the way, Barry Darso. <laughs> Russia Khrushchev is already in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm actually going to go Midnight Express. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention Ivan Koloff again because... Ivan Koloff, I don't believe is going to ever get that opportunity on yeah. his own, which is a shame. Um, I am going to go Midnight Express, and the reason why is, to me, you don't have the great matches that the Rock and Roll Express had without the Midnight Express. Okay, so Every hero needs a villain, Zarface. Exactly, and, so, Jim Car- and Jim Cornette as part of that was absolutely incredible. So we got Magnum TA, the Midnight Express, and Owen Hart. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. All right, who do you eliminate first on that? Go ahead. Based on unfortunately tragic body of work, yep. Magnum TA only lasted about five years. Okay. And he doesn't have the body of work that the other people have. And I know it's not fair. He didn't follow it up with enough of an announcing career, you and don't think, or enough his, of being a personality? No his, no, his announcing career was maybe five gigs at the most. And I mean, he had more, but it's yeah. not how like he stands out. Exactly. Maybe I, if there wasn't Bob Cottle and Jim Ross for yeah. that time period either. And, and I love Magnum, obviously putting him on yeah. my list. And, but to me, he's got to be the first one off. I don't know how you feel, Dave. Uh, when you say body of work, it has to be him or Owen. So yeah, um, I'm Owen gonna... wrestled over a decade. No, I know, I know. But and he wrestled Liger in Japan. And but I'm saying the body of work, the Midnight Express has the longest body of work. So You're, the length of your body of work doesn't necessarily have to like right. if you've got good quality within a short amount of time. Being the son of a promoter in Stampede, that's going to give you a large amount of work that little to no one saw. But that paid off in dividends when he made it to the WWE and was just as polished as his brother. With I feel like we're already discussing Midnight Express and Owen Hart here. Magnum's oh, yeah, that's what we're down going to. Magnum's out. out. Magnum's out. All right, fair enough. I'm going to tell this story uh, Jim Cornette told on his podcast, and this is going to give you my vote. Um, Brett and Owen ran into the Midnight Express at an airport. Uh, back, uh, you know, during the days when everybody started, and I guess they Brett, it out? no, Brett, uh, they all talked to each other. Brett was so wrapped up in the WWE days and stuff and everything, and I guess he went up to Owen and asked him, hey, who were those guys? And this is back when Brett was teaming with Jim, you know, the Anvil Heart Foundation, obviously. And uh, Owen goes, oh, that's Midnight Express. They're the greatest tag team in the world. And Brett goes, no, that's me and Jim. <laughs> so my point is, if Owen Hart thought the Midnight Express was the greatest tag team in the world, then I love Owen. Owen's actually my favorite person on all our lists, by the way. But I'm going to go Midnight. Joe won me over. Um, okay, so I agree with Owen. I do think they were the greatest tag team in the world. Mm. Plus, they were great no matter which combination it was. Yeah. Stan Wayne and Bobby Eaton was just as good. As Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton. And one more thing about this, too. Bobby Eaton had great world title matches with Ric Flair. Yeah. Which also makes me sad because, uh, oh, well, we did say they had to compete in the last year. And the Steiner Brothers might have made my list otherwise. Well, guys, I hate to end this in a stalemate, but... I was only giving my side for the Midnight Express. <laughs> I'm actually pro-Owen. Okay. Uh, uh, Owen, to me, was actually the best wrestling heart. I think technically and... Not Keith? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, not no. Um, I think technically wise, I know that Brett's the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. I think Owen actually wrestled better matches 
because he could wrestle a different variety of matches, whereas Bret Hart basically wrestled the same match every time I saw him. I will argue that point, though. <laughs> Brett, one of his greatest claims to fame was he never hurt anybody in the ring. No. Ask Stone Cold Steve Austin about Owen Hart. <laughs> no well, this offense. is our first ever non-agreement on yeah. the issue, so we're going to put it out to the audience. Who do you think should be the best worker yeah. that hasn't made it into the Hall of Fame, that hasn't wrestled in the last year? AJ, tell them where to find us, and folks, you hear that? You know what the music means. AJ... Let them know where we're at. Twitter at fansworking. Email is workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. Facebook, Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We are now on Spotify, as you know, listening to this right now, at Working Fans Pod. Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. Google Podcasts as well. Logo is by Jeremy Tate at James Vanderbeek. That's J A I M S B A N D E R B E E K. And our intro and exiting song, as always, is by CB at Rise to It Records. Thank you very much, guys. Enjoy your week. 